Good morning. How is everybody? Right now, we are in a sermon series called It's All in Your Head. We started this year off looking at our thoughts and looking at a passage in Philippians, thinking about how we think. And I don't know about you guys, but this sermon series has been really thought-provoking. Thank you. Haha. <laughs> See what I did there? No, but for real, I, I have had to look at this passage and look at my life and see if I'm lining up with what it says. Today, we are going to be talking about dwelling on the excellent. Now, some of you, if you're paying really close attention, have noticed that we've skipped something. Well, last week we didn't have church and Tim was supposed to preach. And you would think that just all get moved back, but Cassie and I are going to be in Oklahoma next week. So me and Tim flip-flopped a little bit. He'll be back up here next week talking about lovely things. Um, today we're going to talk about dwelling on the excellent. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when you hear certain words, your brain starts thinking things. At least mine does. And so for like the past two and a half weeks, all I can think about is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Be excellent, dudes. Did you know, I just found this out a few seconds ago, February 17th, 1989, 30 years ago today, Bill and Ted's Most Excellent Adventure came out into the movie theaters. I thought that was funny. Uh, I was just sitting there, I shared it to Facebook if anybody doesn't believe me. Um... But if you are a guest here, welcome. I'm Mike. I don't think I introduced myself yet. Um, we Hopefully you got a bulletin and there are some notes that you can follow along um, with my points. Uh, if I'm coherent, I'm, i got to admit, I'm struggling a little bit this weekend. I've been sick all weekend and I have had coffee and Sudafed. So... We're going to talk about our thoughts and I have trouble chasing rabbits down holes with my thoughts. So... I prayed for God to give me clarity this morning. At the top of your notes, there's a passage there. It's in Philippians 4, verse 8. And the NLT says, Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. When Tim is up here, he talks about how he searches words in Scripture and how he looks up the Word in every Scripture and he reads it and he studies it and it's great and it takes him like all week because there's thousands of passages with that word in it. And so I got on version and studylight.org and I clicked the NIV because that's the version of the Bible I read the most. And I typed in excellent in the whole Bible because I'm going to read every passage and I hit search and seven passages showed up. <laughs> I was like, only seven? Only seven passages in the NIV use the exact word excellent. Um, Psalms 45.2 talks about most excellent of men. Luke 1.3, Luke is writing a, a letter to most excellent Theophilus. Acts 24.3, Paul is talking to most excellent Felix. Acts 26.25, Paul is talking to most excellent Festus. I see a pattern here. It's not really where I was going with this, but 1 Corinthians 12.31 talks about the most excellent way. So, the way is the most excellent way. Then Philippians 4.8 is the one we just read. Thoughts that are excellent. excellent. And Titus 3.8 talks about that which is excellent and profitable. Okay. But there's other words, right? There's other words that can mean excellent. I can think of one that's really easy. Best. Best is a good word that replaces excellent. Uh, if you look up in a thesaurus... Some of you don't know what that is over here, probably. It's not an ancient dinosaur. <laughs> but God wants our thoughts to be excellent. He wants us to dwell on excellent things. Would you agree with that? When I write lessons, I don't write them for you guys. When I, when I start studying, I'm not studying for you guys. When I was putting this lesson together, it wasn't for you guys. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. When I'm putting a lesson together, God is always working on me. And when I'm, when I'm looking at scripture, I see things that I need to do. I does that, is that how you guys are when you're looking at scripture and you're not thinking of somebody else, but you're thinking of what God wants you to see? So when I'm putting these notes together, I write them as if I'm talking to me. 
you probably have noticed that I speak differently than Tim and then differently than Gary and differently than Alan because I talk to myself in a certain way. I'm a simple man. I need things simple. So why does God want me to have excellent thoughts? Well, the first reason God wants me to have excellent thoughts is He knows me. He knows that I'm a simple person, that I, I need something that I can just grasp really quick. Psalms 139, 13-18, through 18, and, and I, again, it's me. I like putting big chunks of Scripture in my life, even though there's only like one verse I want to focus on, because I like seeing what's before and after. Psalms 139, 13-18 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God knows you. He knows how you work and how you function. Romans 8, 26-30, this isn't going to be on the screen, just listen, it's, it's a great passage. It says, And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son, so that His Son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, He called them to come to Him. And having called them, He gave them right standing with Himself. And having given them right standing, He gave them His glory. You're going to get tired of me saying God knows you. But He does. God knows you. He knows how you work. God knows me. And he knows how I work. Like I said at the beginning, my brain chases rabbits down holes. I have, and I, I'm sure I've said this up here before, I have ADHLAS. It's diagnosed disease, ADHLAS. It's attention deaf, hey, look, a squirrel. That's my brain. Now, everybody, everybody knows ADD, ADHD, that the number one thing is I want to do this, and 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 I want to squirrel. What was I doing? Everybody knows that, right? But there's other parts of it that I struggle with a little bit more. The big one, online, somebody posted this really funny thing about seven different ADH moods. The big one that I struggle with is they've called it galaxy brain. Galaxy brain. So I was listening to the lecture, but the professor said something that reminded me of something else, and now I'm not sure how much time I was lost in thought about the other thing. Okay, some of you agree with that. Or, the tutorial only comes in video format. What? I, it's just video? There's no, like, step-by-step -step on a paper? How to do this? You mean, I have to pay attention and take notes, otherwise it's lost and I'm watching something else on YouTube? Or hyperfocus. Scott was talking about this in, in communion. Hyperfocus. I went to bed intending to wake up and write this, but this morning I was possessed by a cleanliness spirit and spent the next 14 hours organizing my house. <laughs> or, or I don't think you tried it all. Jpeg. Did I seriously just spend my entire free day refreshing Twitter? Because I didn't want to spend 10 minutes writing the paper I knew I needed to, and I wouldn't let my do, myself do anything else before I finished it? Anybody? There's something you got to do, but you're doing something else, and you won't let yourself do anything else until you do the first thing? Uh, that's just me. Or they call this one Patrick Star. <laughs> Unlock your phone. I'm going to check the weather. Click on Twitter. Nope, nope, wrong one. 
weather. Click on Facebook. Nope. Wrong one. I'm going to, I'm going to check the weather. Opens up the messenger. Ha. No. Weather. Plays a mobile game. Weather. Opens Twitter again. Weather. (laughs) Anybody? No. This is me. Um, or the last one smells like depression. Literally everything is too boring and I'm just going to go back to bed. There have been times where I'll just, I can't find anything that interests me and I just take a nap. This is my brain. This is how I, this is how I function. And God knows that. He knows I have a hard time controlling my thoughts. And, and God bless my wife. Um, she has helped me a lot because when we first got together, we call it my filter and we do this every time when we call talk about my filter because before if the thought was in my head it was out of my mouth there was there was no stop it was out and 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 now i have control not only over my mouth but over my thoughts as well and that's in big part to her being embarrassed a lot um i have big feet and somehow they fit in my mouth <sighs> So God knows me and knows my problems and my struggles. He knows the thoughts I have. He knows the thoughts you have. Does that scare you? <laughs> I'm, I was debating whether or not to say this, but I'm going to anyway, full confession, right? He knows my brain, right? He, he, he made my brain. He knows that... I'm, I have photographs, right? My memories are like photographs. And there's a wealth of, of images in my brain. Every naked person I've ever seen is somewhere in my brain. And I won't try to think about it, but you know, every once in a while, why is that in my brain right now? Or, or malicious thoughts, angry thoughts. I'm not trying to be angry at somebody, but that's in my brain now. What brings that up? I have no idea. I don't know why those thoughts pop into my head. And thank God that I have learned to control that. But, you know, that's a rabbit hole that's easy to jump down. That's a really easy rabbit to chase. God wants me to have excellent thoughts because He knows me. God wants you to have excellent thoughts because He knows you. He wants what's best for you. He wants your thoughts to be what's best for you. And He knows that it's a problem if you have these thoughts in your head. If you have negative thoughts or thoughts that criticize yourself or other people. Divisive thoughts. It doesn't just have to be lustful thoughts. He knows you. Second reason that God wants me to have excellent thoughts is because He knows my culture. He knows my culture. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Jesus understands every weakness of ours because He was tempted in every way that we are, but he didn't sin. In Matthew 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus was a man. He walked this earth. Now, before you start thinking, well, he didn't live in the age of the Internet, and he didn't live in the blank age of whatever... Jesus knows every struggle we have. Every struggle that our culture throws at us. If you want to think about lustful problems in the first century, look up... Well, don't look it up. Um, Yeah. Google, safe search, temple prostitute. Go to Wikipedia. Go to Wikipedia. Don't just Google. Go to Wikipedia. Temple prostitute, first century. I mean, you've probably heard the stories of they would wear sandals that had arrows and naked women on them so people knew how to get to those places. That's a thing. 
Jesus lived in that time. He saw drunkenness. He saw racism. He lived in Judea in the first century, ruled by Rome, populated by Jews, and there's Samaritans around them too. There's racism all over the place. Jesus saw his culture. He lived in his culture. He wasn't separate from it. He wasn't outside of it. He was in it. The story of the woman caught in the act of adultery. By the way, we don't know where the dude is, I know. But, I mean, she was naked when they brought her to it because she was caught in the act when they set her at the foot of Jesus. Yet he didn't sin. He knows our culture. And I got to thinking about our culture and how quickly it, we can become negative about it and how quickly it divides us and becomes divisive. You know, Jesus, at the Sermon on the Mount... He went after our thoughts, not our actions first. He did go after your actions, but he didn't say it's wrong to murder. He said it's wrong to think about murder. If you hate your brother, you've already murdered him. He didn't say it's wrong to commit adultery. Mind you, it is. He agrees with that. But he said it starts with your thoughts. It starts with lust. We need to have excellent thoughts because our culture is going to try to tear us down. And in our culture, I was thinking about words that just show how negative and divisive our culture is. And I'm going to read some of them to you. President. Wall. Abortion. Immigrants. Kardashian. Pelosi. Cubs, Rams, left, right, Chevy, Ford, Dodge, gender, snowflake, homosexual, Christian. Did any of those words spark something in your brain? I know they did me just writing them down when I was writing them. I'm like, ah, it's just a noun. Why is it? Ah, I was triggered. (laughs) I hate that word. (laughs) By the way, I am so glad they came up with a different term for anybody born between the years of... I think it's 1977 and 1983, other than millennial, because technically it's like we're part of the millennial generation, but I hate that generation. I mean, oh my gosh, they're so annoying. And I don't hate them because that's wrong. But yeah, right. They came up with a new term. It's zillennial. It's anybody born in the time the original Star Wars trilogy was in theaters. Yes. I'm not a part of the millennial generation anymore. Anyway, sorry, that was a rabbit. I'm chasing it. See, it's hard. That's divisive, isn't it? That's divisive. Even our generations have different names. Our world is trying to divide us. I don't even like watching the news anymore. There's only certain channels I'll watch. And really, I don't like any of the American news networks. Because they don't want to give you facts. They want to give you opinion and sway yours. I really, when I get to, enjoy watching the BBC Network's news. Because you know why? Because instead of saying the Democrats or the Republicans, they go, and in today's news, those stupid Americans. (laughs) I'm sure there's a bias, but I'm not English, so I don't understand it. (laughs) The way it looks to me is they're just giving facts. Until they start talking about football, and then it's just all over. But how about the magazines and the checkout lanes? You can't tell me that's trying to sway your thoughts. Um, Cosmo, GQ, they, they, they try to give us a standard of beauty that is not given to us by God. They try to change your thoughts. Now, some of you struggle with your body type image. I'm not belittling that. That's a thing. You, that's your thoughts. You need to control that. God loves you. He has chosen you. He has created you. 
I don't have that struggle. That that that's just not me. I joke around that I don't have that struggle because when I look at men's fitness magazine, that's how I look. I struggle with delusion. <laughs> that's the, that's one of the big differences between men and women. A gorgeous woman would be looking in the mirror and be all distraught, and then somebody like me will look in the mirror and be like, yes. And it all stems to what toys we played with when we were little. Women played with Barbies. That's their standard of beauty. We played with He-Man, and that's exactly how I look. <laughs> just, just saying. But that's, that's how our culture gets into our brains, right? We have all this media, and we are never, ever, anymore further away than, from our media than we are now. I posted a picture, I was working on this, I don't remember when it was, but it was a picture of a telephone on a podium. And it said, and it was an old rotary phone, like I had growing up, where you either you sat in the kitchen and everybody heard your conversation, or you sat on the laundry, on the washer while it shook while you're talking, you know, because there's only two phones in the house. And it said, when the phone was on a cord, man was truly free. That, that was deep, and it was, it was a meme. Again, rabbits to chase is memes for me. But it was, it was this picture, and I'm like, holy cow. Our culture is so invasive. And Jesus knows our culture and the struggle that it is to maintain that positive attitude and to maintain thoughts that are his thoughts. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 in the International Children's Bible, it says, In your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. That is a really short, simple passage that is so hard to do. It's so hard. In my life, on an average week, I get frustrated so many times over things that aren't my problem. And my thoughts get away from me. And then I have to bring them all back together and focus back on Christ. How can I begin to think excellently like Jesus? Again, I write lessons for me. So bear with me because this is how I talk to myself. So number one, God wants me to take out the trash. Titus chapter 2, 11 through 14, and I don't think it's on the screen because I added some stuff. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us all from wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Have you heard the term garbage in, garbage out? It was coined by some dude who has something to do with computers. Can't remember his name. But garbage in, garbage out. He was teaching people that if you just keep putting junk in your computer, your computer is not going to run well. How many of you have seen the image of a Windows Explorer, yes I know, Windows Explorer, page up on a computer screen and the person using it has downloaded every single search bar, task bar, button add-on till like if your screen's this big, that much is the website and the rest is just all these search bars and junk. How well do you think, one, it's Internet Explorer, but how well do you think that page is going to run? It's not. What if, what if you keep downloading files that you probably shouldn't be downloading and, and you keep adding browser tabs and you keep 
not restarting your, your computer or never shutting it down, your recycle bin is digitally overflowing, how well is that computer going to run? It might overheat and run out of your house away from you because you're abusing it. It's not going to run. It's going to break down. My personal computer right now is Cassie's old computer. It's 14 years old. And it's younger than my desktop that I still use. Um, it's, it's a laptop and it's like that thick. It's, it still works because we take care of it and we don't put a lot of junk on it. Our brains are the same way. On the top of the back of the, the notes, there's, there's some blanks there. We have to remove and replace. We have to remove the trash and we have to replace it with something good. Colossians 3 verse 8. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We have to remove. There are thoughts, and I'm already confessed some of mine, but there are thoughts that we all have that need to get out. Get out of Dodge. They just have to go. You have to kill those thoughts. Yes, kill. That's serious. You have to slaughter them because they are going to hold you back. They are going to hinder you like that passage just said. And they're, they're going to they're gonna try to choke you out. Those thoughts are not from God. Colossians 3.2 Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And 1 Peter 2.1-3 says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. It's one thing to just get rid of those bad thoughts. But unless you're like me, you can't just get rid of something. Right? Uh, think about your kitchen countertop. We bought a new house. We have giant countertops. I love them. They are the reason we looked at the house we bought last June. There is a 4 foot by 10 foot island in the center of our kitchen all granite. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. And we have these giant countertops around the side and we've had parties in our house already and people have shown up with food and there's always room for the food and stuff. Before you guys show up at our house, do you know what I have to do with every single countertop? It's a flat surface. Stuff will get put on it. Do you know how much stuff fits on a four by ten foot granite slab island? When we moved in, we had this great idea that the back half of it has this ledge. We're going to get some stools. That's going to be our homework station for the girls. It's going to be great. We never bought the stools yet. We're still in plan of that. And they have these boxes with their utensils, like pencils and sharpeners and stuff that's supposed to stay in this one spot. And it's all supposed to be clear so they can do their homework. Oh man, that's a fantasy world. <laughs> the whole back side of the counter is for like cross chat or parties where we can lay out the spread. And we have, uh, we had Blythe's birthday party there and it was full of food. And we have other countertops that are, were full of food. And at the time it was great. And then you all left and junk got put back on it. Right now, there's a pile of junk on our countertops. <sighs> Mostly papers. Your thoughts are the same way. You can get rid of bad thoughts. So unless you replace them with something better, they're just going to come back. 
We need to set our minds on things above. If you look at 1 Peter that's up on the screen right now, verse 2, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk. So in verse 1, we got rid of malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind. But we replaced it with something. Spiritual milk. Now, some of you guys are like, um, spiritual milk. That's, that's, that's a religious term. Yes, it is. It's, it is. God's word, God's people, God's church, God's thoughts, spiritual milk. As a new Christian, I had to make sure that I was not going to the same places that I had been going, whether it was digitally, uh, watching movies, people I spent time with, I had to remove it. Otherwise, I was going to keep going back. With your thoughts, you gotta crave God's thoughts. You gotta crave what He thinks. Whether it's what He thinks about you, what He thinks about your situation, what He thinks about the people around you. You have to crave those excellent thoughts. Start by analyzing what you take in. Garbage in, garbage out. What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you reading? Where do you go on the internet? I'm not perfect. Um, it, it seems like every few years I get this wild hair and I get a trash bag and I start going through our movie collection. And those of you who have been to our house have seen the extent of our movie collection. And those of you who have been to our house recently and never were with me a long time ago need to understand that's half the size it used to be. Because I'll start going through it and be like, uh, this should not be in my home anymore. This should not be in my home anymore. I've gotten rid of tons of movies. And like every once in a while, I'll come across one. Oh, I haven't watched this movie in a long time. Pop it in and I'm like, ooh, why do I still have this movie? And it goes in a pile to go to Goodwill or to go to Slacker's. But I have to do that. Um, have you ever like lost a case of CDs for years? And then when you're a little older, you come back and you find that case of CDs. And you're like, holy cow, I used to listen to these all the time in high school. It was awesome. And you take one out and you put it in the CD player. And you're like, good Lord, this is horrible. Oh my gosh. See... And I can name some CDs for you right now, but I'm not going to. We have to be vigilant about what we bring into our minds. Garbage in, garbage out. Or goodness in and goodness out. If you bring only... Okay, I am not the poster child of physical fitness. I am so aware of that. But I do understand that if I eat healthy things, I'm going to be healthier. It makes sense. i got to work on willpower with that. But if I'm eating only healthy things, my body is going to be healthier. If I'm drinking only healthy things, my body is going to be healthier. When I drink soda now, because I don't drink soda very often, like the, the first time I drank a Pepsi was... It was the other day. Somebody had Pepsi out. I was like, oh, I I like Pepsi. I'm going to get a Pepsi, pop it open. Ugh. That does not taste like Pepsi. And somebody else drank it. like, this is totally Pepsi. I'm like, I haven't had a Pepsi in like three years. Mountain Dew is another thing. Fitz's cream soda is another thing. But Pepsi, oh my gosh. Because I haven't taken it in, it's, it's not healthy for me. Our thoughts are the same way. Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Yesterday in my time with God, I was really challenged. And those of you who are in our devotional together saw me post about this. Some of us in our small group are going through the book of Revelation. And on version, you can comment what stood out to you in it. And people post what stands out to them. For me... The teacher was talking about how he's this group of friends who get really excited every time like a new Star Wars trailer comes out. 
a new movie trailer, even if it's just a teaser trailer, like a 30 second long one, and they'll sit there and they'll nitpick and they'll be like, look, okay, this, this could mean that this is going to happen or that is going to happen. And I'm like, it's only like a 30 second trailer with no dialogue. It's just flashes of cool things. And they're all excited. And he's talking about that. And I'm like, yeah. I love movie trailers. Uh, me and Michael Gill will just like, look at this movie trailer. It's awesome. It's so cool, right? I'm not talking about any trailers, no spoilers. But this teacher, this teacher, he goes, yeah, it's great to be excited about stuff like that. But we're talking about Revelation, and it's like the movie trailer for the return of the king, only not Lord of the Rings. It's the return to Jesus. It's the second coming. It's the new heaven and the new earth. Are you that excited about it as you are about the Avengers Endgame movie coming out? Oh. No. Honestly, I haven't been. I'm really looking forward to seeing Captain Marvel and the Avengers Endgame movie. Really really looking forward to that am i looking forward to jesus coming back as much as i am to seeing a stupid movie are my thoughts there nope i got work i got work on my excellent thoughts are my thoughts on the eternal or on the temporary Goodness in, goodness out. Choosing healthy thoughts is a first step. So I take out the trash. I remove and replace. Second thing I need to do is I need to choose. God wants me to choose. Really simple. There's two things he wants me to choose. And it's an either or kind of thing. First, I need to choose better over good. Second, I need to choose best over better. It doesn't always boil down to right versus wrong and good versus evil. Sometimes it's better versus good. Sometimes it's best versus better. That one is hard for me to wrap my head around. Because we're always told, (laughs) you have to not do bad. Can I let you know that the way my brain works, if I'm trying to not do something, I'm going to do it. Like, let's say there's a package of Oreos sitting on the counter, magically cleaned, by the way. There's the space for the Oreos on that counter. There's a package of Oreos, and I'm not going to eat those Oreos. I'm not going to eat those Oreos. Those Oreos are not going to get eaten by me. I'm not going to eat those Oreos. Five minutes later, that package is empty gone because those Oreos were screaming at me and I had to silence them. Anybody else? Okay. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, what I need to focus on is what I am going to do. I don't want to sin. I don't want to sin. I don't want to sin. I'm going to sin. I want to please my father. I want to please my father. I want to please my father. I'm going to please my father. I have to choose. It doesn't always come down to a bad thing. Oreos are not a bad thing. They are a blessing from God. (laughs) Unless you eat the entire package. Then you start pushing 300 pounds and you have to joke around about your fatness. (sighs) I'm working on it. I haven't bought Oreos in a long time. Twinkie cakes, that's another, or uh, not Twinkie, zebra cakes, that's another one though. Uh. In Luke chapter 10, we find Jesus at the house of Lazarus. Many of you know this story, and many of you know where I'm going with it. Jesus is there, he's chilling. Okay, we're gonna Mike D special this one. Jesus is chilling with Lazarus. Mary's at his feet. If Jesus was in your house, where would you be? I'd be trying to sit on his lap, if not next to him. She's at his feet. She's at the right place. Martha is doing what I probably would be doing. Because when people come over, I cook. It's what I do. I love cooking. I love cooking for people. It's what I do. Martha is getting a meal together and getting the house situated. (sighs) She has some thoughts going through her head, right? Why, if that Mary would help me, we'd get done quicker. 
but she's just sitting over there on her butt, lounging. Gosh, that woman. And she starts complaining. Lord, tell her to help me. Whoa. (laughs) That's what I do to Blythe lately when she starts freaking out. Just, whoa. Daddy can't handle this right now. Whoa. Jesus is like, Martha. Luke 10, 41 through 42. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha wasn't doing something wrong. She was doing something that's good, right? What was wrong about it? Her thoughts. Her reasons. Her motives. They weren't excellent. They weren't what was needed. They weren't, they were good. They weren't better. They may have been better, they weren't best. We need to choose better over good and best over better. As a parent, is it wrong to have your kids involved in extracurricular activities? No. In fact, if you have a daughter or a son that is energetic like Kara... It's a blessing to have them running and running and running, right? They need to burn that energy off. It becomes wrong when that becomes the focal point of their life and not God. That is, in essence, an idol. It can happen with anything. It can happen with the Oreos. As, as, as a couple, Cassie and I decided a long time ago that our girls are only going to be involved in one extracurricular activity at a time. One that keeps their focus not so enveloped by the activity. But it also, we live busy lives. And it would take our focus away from what God wants us to focus on. That's our decision. I'm not forcing that on anybody else. If you want your kids involved in 16 different things, and you can make it work, make it work. I can't. It would be wrong for us to do that to our daughters. Extracurricular activities are good. A few at a time is better. One for us is best. I have to choose best over better. In Numbers chapter 18, verse 29, it says, You must present as the Lord's portion the best and holiest part of everything given to you. Our time is holy. My time with my daughters, yesterday I was a bum. If you can hear my voice, I've been sick. And yesterday I was on the couch pretty much the entire day because one, I lost my voice in the morning and I wanted to have a voice to talk to you lovely people today. And two, I was just, I got off the couch to go grocery shopping and halfway through, I don't even know what I bought. I'm like, let's just go home. I'm sure I bought stuff on my list, but we'll see as I start to cook meals what I forgot. But I was a bum. And Cassie had a girls' night out. I'm like, yeah, go. And if anybody's going out afterwards, go out with them. It's fine. Me and the girls will be fine. And before I knew it, Cassie was home. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't do anything with them but sit here and talk to them. I, I wanted to get up and do stuff with them because my time with them is holy. And I wasted it. Just going to be honest. I wasted it. I baked cookies. I remember baking cookies. We ate cookies. We talked for a minute. And I was absorbed by a television and Sudafed. Just gonna be honest. They want to play basketball in our basement, which is really hard to do when you're 6'3 and the basement's like 7 feet. But for them it works because they're only like this tall. And we have a, a folding chair that's our basket that we shoot into because it's cold outside and I don't want to go outside. And we wanted to do that, but we didn't. My time with them is holy and I should be giving it more. I should choose. TV's not bad. But it would have been better for me to spend more time with them last night, even if I am sick. Memes aren't bad. Well, most of them aren't bad. But if I want a distraction, it might be better for me to just spend that time in God's Word. Some of them are funny. I like sharing them with people, but... I can get really, you can get wrapped up in that. 
that thing to just distract you from life. If something is worth doing for the Lord, it requires my best. And that includes thinking. This idea that best pleases God is true. I grew up, however, in a church where you had to wear your Sunday best. Suit, tie, slacks. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. It becomes a problem when you judge people by that standard. Um, yesterday, I, I, I reread a book. Um, not Stephen King's It, but Craig Groeschel's It. Me and Mike talked about reading it, and he reminded me this week, and I was like, I'm going to sit there and read it, and I did yesterday. And there's a few chapters I forgot about where he talks about, as a young Christian, he went to attend a church, and he wore the best clothes he had because he knew you had to wear your Sunday best to go to church. And he walked up, and the guy holding the door scowled at him and said, Son, we wear our best for God here. Oh, okay. He didn't catch it at first. And he walked in, and Usher kind of glared at him because he wasn't dressed up. And he went and sat down, and he sat in somebody's seat. And he was really like, he was thinking, is this what it's supposed to be, God? It doesn't seem right. Thank God he met a group of Christians that night who took him to a place where there was no judgment. And, and he fell in love. But he talked about, um, he went to guest preach at a church and this little old lady pulled him aside and said, you better be good because we got a guest coming tonight. Like that didn't happen very often in this church. And he was standing out front because he was going to greet the guest. And when they pulled up, you could tell she was a guest. Just by the way, the car she drove and the clothes she was wearing, you could tell she was the guest. And before he could greet her, the usher said, we wear our best here. And she turned around and left. It's good. It's good to wear your Sunday best for God. It's not good to push people away. And I'm so glad we go to a church where I can preach in a decently nice shirt and nice pair of jeans. I'm glad you guys can show up in whatever you're wearing. You will not be looked down upon. I'm glad that we choose to overlook those things because we want people to know the love of Christ. There's a problem with it, though. We become too casual. We can very easily become too casual, and we are no longer giving God our best in other areas. I've noticed it in my life that I get comfortable and I get casual with my Savior. Uh, the, the best example, even though it's not, it's fiction, it's not fact, is Dogma. Right? The movie Dogma. Buddy Christ. Hey! And I'm glad they had George Carlin do that. I mean, that just makes sense. But that's the way people see Jesus. The Buddy Christ. Yes, He is our friend. Yes, He is our brother. But He's also our Savior. And He's also God. And we get too comfortable and we're not giving our best anymore. It doesn't matter what it is. We need to give our best, our most excellent. Whether we're talking about parenting, working, driving, speaking, or yeah, even thinking. If I'm doing it for God, it has to be my very best. I don't know, personally, each and every single one of you. that is nearly impossible for me to know each and every single one of you. So I don't know exactly where each and every single one of you are with your walk with God. I can only speak for myself. And I did the math. I have been walking consistently with Christ now for 17 years. And it's still a struggle. My thoughts are still a struggle. But I have a helper. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit resides within me. He is my helper. The power that raised Christ from the dead 
lives in me. And it can resurrect my excellent thoughts. It can help me hone my brain and hone my thinking to be razor sharp and to honor God with my best. If you are a Christian, you have that power in you. If you're a guest here or you're visiting and you're not a Christian and you don't know what I'm talking about, I want to ask you to give your life to Christ. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, talk to somebody next to you. There are God-loving and God-fearing Christians all around you who know Scripture and love Jesus. And they would love to talk to you about how you can have that resurrection power in your life. About how God can resurrect the excellent thoughts in your brain. How He can help you keep the negative, divisive, crappy thoughts out of your brain. How He can help train you like my brain has been trained. If we look at Scripture, we're supposed to give our first and our best to God. And my question for you is, what is your first and your best thought every day? If you're a Christian, I would like to say mine is God. I'm not perfect in it. I want it to be. If you're not a Christian, look in Scripture about what it means to become a Christian. About being saved. About honoring God with our bodies and with our thoughts. And make a decision. Jesus doesn't want to see anyone lost. God wants everyone in heaven with Him. And I want everyone in heaven with us. If you're here, please give your life to Christ. It's the best decision you could ever make. Your thoughts will line up with His. Not immediately, but with with walking with Him. You can align your thoughts with Christ. And you can set your minds on things above. In your bulletin, there's a communication card. And there's a section for prayer. If you're struggling with your thoughts, that is a great place to talk about it. To write it down. We have a prayer team that will pray over all the cards. They don't talk about people's problems that are written on the cards. It's all confidential. And it's all on the up and up. If you need help, write your prayer request down there. We're going to sing a song. And we're going to pass the baskets. And that's a time you can put your communication card in the basket. If you're a guest, you'll see people, members, giving their offering. We have to collect an offering to keep the lights on. If you're a guest here, don't. We did not ask you to come here to get something from you. It's another reason I love this family so much. Is When I first started coming, they said that and I didn't believe them. Because that's not the type of church I grew up in. And then I watched and I watched lives change because of what the members were doing if you're a guest we want you to have something not get something from you so please don't give an offering but you can put your communication card in that basket this week i hope your thoughts dwell on what is above let's pray heavenly father thank you so much for your son for the power that resides in me because of his death and his resurrection Thank you for the helper that you sent to us, for the Holy Spirit, who can help us overcome any problem that gets sent our way, that you can overcome it. Please help us look at our thoughts this week. Help us choose what is best and excellent, and help us honor you by the way we think, by the way we speak, by the way we act. Thank you so much for every blessing that you're pouring out on us. I love you, Father. In your name I pray. Amen.